Well, it's been a joy having Brother Edwards here, and he travels in, lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, attends, attends Graceway Baptist Church, where his son is the pastor. His son is his pastor, yep. and uh, and I'm thankful for Brother Chris Edwards there doing a great job, and again, thankful for Brother Edwards' love for the Lord, love for the local church, and a love for, for Crooked Creek Baptist. He's been a good friend to me, a mentor, a blessing. So let's open our hearts and our minds up to the Word of God, Brother Edward, you come and preach. Thank you, sir. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> my son is my pastor. It's hard because he's my spiritual authority, and occasionally I have to do what he tells me to do, and I, it, it's reversed. Uh, just, you don't know this, but I'll mention it tomorrow is his 20th anniversary of planting and pastoring that church, and I spoke with he and his wife, Christy, a little, little while ago, and uh, you know, express my regrets that I can't be there, but I'd much rather be here with you all, I guarantee you. But 20 years is a real milestone, and uh, it's a great church. He's done a great job. Uh, he's, a, he's a really good preacher, and I know I'm biased, but um, I, I really enjoy my son's preaching, and I get the privilege. I'm so thankful for technology, not in every sense, but in a lot of senses. And uh, I get to, of course, he is live streamed and published and you get to hear him and uh, three sermons a week when I'm walking I'm listening to my son preach so it's a it's a good deal as a matter of fact I you know the older you get I don't know about you but I get a little sentimental and as I was listening to those children sing I hope you understand the importance of that uh, when I was when I was seeing those children I was seeing my children, thinking of my son, it's on my heart that tomorrow's his 20th anniversary, and uh, all of our sons or all of our children serve the Lord and uh, in ministry. Some that all serve in, in their local church. I, I was thinking of our grandchildren. I've seen them. We had masters clubs and all those things, and and uh, got one. My oldest granddaughter's getting married. Now I know that's not. Big deal to some of you, but it's our first grandchild to get married. I'm hastening them, want them to hurry so I can have a great grandchild. They seem resistant to that right now, but uh, marrying a fine Christian young man and another granddaughter, I was thinking of seeing a little girl over there and looked a little bit like my Lauren, who's going to be a missionary to India. And I look at her and I say, honey, Papa would rather you stay next door to him. But she says, no, Papa, I don't know how she's going to get in India. I don't know what, but I know God's laid it on her heart. And what a joy. That's, that's where this starts. That's where it starts. And I so appreciate what Preacher said. Just, you don't have to win every contest. You don't have to excel at every verse. Sometimes you won't get it. But just develop a heart for God and see these young people used of the Lord. That that was truly an encouragement. Thank you people who work with these kids. I know that's uh, that's not always easy and it, it takes time and takes a lot of effort, but thank you. It's a blessing. Well, how many of you thought I was nice last night? Because it's turning tonight, brother. I'm telling you, I'm going back to my fundamental Baptist roots and preaching mean tonight. No, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach me, and I thought I'd just put the fear of God in you a little bit. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. 
Remember in our conference this week, we're, we're trying to accomplish this. Talking about the Godhead. Who is God our Father? Who is God the Son? Who is God the Holy Spirit? But not just teaching doctrinal lessons. We can do that in theology class, and should. And you should know some theology, and we should strengthen doctrine. That's a good thing. But then also, what's that mean for us? Last night, that God is immutable, and God is omnipotent. He can split the Red Sea. He can take us from where we are to where we need to be. He can intervene at any point in the seasons of our life and deliver us, because He is omnipotent. Tonight, I want to, I want to introduce or talk to you about two more of the attributes of God our Father and what it means to us. And those two attributes are his omniscience, that he knows everything. Wow. He knows everything about us. Not only his omniscience, but his omnipresence. He is always present with us. David wrote Psalm 139, and I want you to understand a little bit about the background of when he wrote Psalm 139. David wrote this great psalm at some point in his being not anointed, but made king of Israel. Years before Psalm 139, Samuel had anointed David to be king. But we know that Saul was not going to relinquish that throne. And for years, David was a fugitive from his own land. And though God had laid his hand on him, Saul pursued him with murder in his heart. And men who had once been loyal to David rebelled against David and and were traitors, treasonous towards David. And literally, he suffered in the wilderness for years of his life. And now, those years have come to an end. And even though the kingdom was divided for some period of time, and he ruled over some from Hebron, now he is going to Jerusalem, and all the tribes have come together, and he is truly being coronated as king of Israel. And in that great time of his life is when he writes Psalm 139. And as we read this psalm, I want you to understand what I believe is in David's heart. You'll notice our text. Look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. David is asking God, would you please search my heart? Why is David asking God at this point in his life, search my heart, try me, lead me? Well, because he is becoming king. And can I remind you of what I just said? There have been years of bitter experiences in his life. How easy it would have been for in David's heart to have this thought, in another week or so, 
you will pay for what you did to me. In another week or so, in pride being lifted up because now the throne is His and He will go His way and do it His way and He will say and He won't bow to anyone and boy, grudges will be paid off. David says, God, I don't want to lead like that. So God, I'm asking you right now, at the moment that I am ready to step into the most powerful place in my life, I want you to check me. I want you to look into my heart and expose to me what only you can expose. I can't even see it myself. David says, would you search me? Would you try me? And would you lead me? We'll expose what that means in just a moment. But let's go back and read verses 1 through 12, 13, 14. And I just want you to see why David can ask this of the Lord. Look at verse 1. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I I cannot attain unto it. You know what David is saying? David is saying, God, I know You know everything. God didn't have to learn about us. God knows us. God made us, as He'll reveal in just a moment. God knows every motive of my heart. He knows every thought that I process through my mind. He knows every word, the ones that I stifle before they get out, but the ones that so often pour out of my uncontrolled tongue. God knows every idle word, every idle thought, every idle moment. And listen, God loves us in spite of what He knows, but it is a fearsome thing to know that God knows us and every moment and thought of our day. David says, God, I know You know me like that. And I know that you can reveal things to me about myself that I have not fully realized in my own mind. Pick it up in verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. 
If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Jonah thought he could run far enough away that God could not find him. That God would not see him. That he could, he could take himself away from the presence of God. Can I tell you, we are never out of the presence of God. Everywhere we go, we take God with us. No darkness is dark enough to cover our deeds before the Lord. God is present with us. Hey, that is both a comfort and a conviction. When they roll me into the surgery room, I'm glad God is with me. But when I am in that place that I think darkness of some type covers me, God is still with me. When my deeds are dark and my thoughts are dark and my speech are dark and my motives are dark, God is still with me. Finally, David comes down to the place where he says, God, I don't want to be a king my own way. I want to be a king your way. I have never been anything but a servant even when my title was shepherd. I wish I had hours to preach and could describe to you the lowest form of citizen in Israel was shepherd. They were looked down upon. They, they, were, not, they were not trustworthy people. They weren't even permitted to give testimony in a court because they couldn't be trusted. And David is a shepherd. And God, when I was a shepherd out on that hillside by myself doing what my father told me to do, I am so glad that you were with me. But as a shepherd, I was nothing more than a servant. And oh God, now I'm going to be a king. And I want to be as careful when I am a king as I was when I was a shepherd that I am nothing but a servant of you going your way, living your way, leading your way. And may God help every one of us tonight to understand that we must be incredibly careful of doing life our way. Instead of God's way. Because we are nothing more, whatever our title, whatever our status in life, we are nothing more than the servants of God. And God, I want to lead life your way. I want to be your man. I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. I want your way to be my way. And say, oh God, even though now I am not out on a little hill near Bethlehem looking into the stars and singing songs, now I'm in Jerusalem, the capital of my world, and I'm, I'm ascending up to the place where they're going to make me king and they're going to follow what I say. They're going to listen to every word. But God, I still, want to do it your way. 
So God, would you search me? Would you try me? And would you know my thoughts? And God, would you check me out and see if there is any wicked way in me? You see, God, because of His omniscience, because He formed us, I won't take the time to read those verses, because He formed us, He made us, He created us, He knows us better than we know ourselves. The outline is there. Notice it with me. First, search me. The truth is that you and I cannot honestly search our own hearts. Not only do we not have the capacity to know and discern, but also we we have a conflict of interest. We like us. And sometimes we don't see ourselves exactly as we are. (coughs) I'll soon be 73 years old. And I tell people, I've been on a diet 72 years and 6 months. And it hasn't worked yet, okay? But I I have learned some things in my life. I've learned with our scale that if I weigh on my heels, if I put more weight on my heels, depending on how far back I I lean, I can get that thing down 20 pounds. And so often my wife will see me weighing like this. She'll say, well, what do you weigh today, 75? (laughs) You know why I do that? Because I want to think better of myself than I am. I want to lay way less than I actually do. And so I am prone to playing games with me. But I weigh what I weigh. And I'd be better off knowing what it actually is than what I can manipulate and tell myself I am when I'm not. David did not want that today. He didn't want to be right in his own eyes. He wanted the piercing gaze of God's Spirit to examine his heart because he knew something about himself. He didn't know Jeremiah's Scripture, but he knew that he, like every other man that was around him, had a deceitful heart. As a matter of fact, a desperately wicked heart. And a heart that he could not fully know. Jeremiah says, who can know the heart? And then answers his own question by saying, the Lord searches the heart. That's what David is saying. God, you're omniscient. God, you are present with me. You know everything about me. Will you examine my heart? I read a book from 150 years ago by a man named James Vaughn, but I wanted to read to you what he said along these lines. And I quote, Self-examination is not the simple thing which at first sight it might appear. No Christian who has ever really practiced it has found it easy. Is there any exercise of the soul which any one of us has found so unsatisfactory? So almost impossible as self-examination? The fact is this, that the heart is so exceedingly complicated and intricate, and it is so very near to the eye which has to investigate it, and both it and the eye are so restless and shifting, 
that its deep anatomy baffles our research. Just a few things here and there, broad and open and floating upon the surface, a man discovers. But there are chambers receding within chambers in that deepest of all things, a sinner's heart, which no mere human investigation ever will reach. It is the prerogative of God alone to search the human heart. So David looks up and he says, Oh God, I'm going to lead your people. And I don't want to do it in my own strength. I don't want to do it unless I have your direction and your power. And so God, I'm asking you to search me. David invites God to go into the deepest recesses of his heart and to search, to examine thoroughly. But wait a minute, preacher. It already says in verse 1, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Why is David asking him to search his heart again? Hey, that's not what David is asking. What David is asking is this, O God, I know that You know me in ways I don't know. Will You make me known to me. God, make my heart known to me. Let me see the truth about myself. Did you know that you're not as good as you think you are? I tell my wife every once in a while, I'll say to her, Honey, you're so fortunate. You married the perfect man. Anybody want to guess what her reaction to that is? Oh man, she can list one thing after another thing because she sees me with different eyes than I see me. By the way, I do not think I'm the perfect man. Close, but not quite there yet. Do you know your own emotions? Do you know your own motives? Do you know your own affections? Do you know and understand your appetites, your prejudices? We are so guided by things that sometimes we don't even think about. We don't even know that those things guide us. And David is saying, I don't want to be guided by anything but your word and your spirit. And if there is a prejudice in my life, if there's an affection that needs to be changed, if there's a, a, a grudge, if there's an emotion, if there's something in my life that is directing me, I, I want you to expose it to me. And then God, as best I am, whether it is bitterness or unbelief or pride or jealousy or greed, God, with your help, I will root that thing out of my life. He says, don't only search me, God, but try me. You see, David's not satisfied for God just to search his heart. He asks God, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Now that that begs for understanding. And so let me take just a moment and unpack that. He says, try me. You ever ask to be tested of the Lord? But sometimes testing exposes what ease does not expose. 
And so David says to the Lord, I want to know me. And, and if it takes a testing time for you to expose to me things about myself that need to be changed with your help, God, will you try me? And then what does he want exposed? Notice this, try me and know my thoughts. He already knows David's thoughts. But here's what David is saying. It's an interesting Hebrew word. You say, preacher, are you a Hebrew scholar? No. But I own a Strong's Concordance and it makes me dangerous, all right? Look up the word thoughts and you'll see in the Hebrew it is the word saith. And it, it, it means divisions. Here's what David is asking. God, I want you to expose to me where my thoughts are not your thoughts. Where my direction is different than your direction. Because God, James hasn't written it yet, but a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And Lord, I don't want to go David's way. I want to go your way. And by the way, when he says, expose to me the thoughts that are different than your thoughts, and see if there be any wicked ways. That word wicked is the same word as idolatry. And David is saying, when I go my own way, I'm actually putting up an idol saying, this is what I'm going to do, regardless of what God says. You say, well, preacher, there's none of that going on in this room. (laughs) Let's talk about it. You, you parenting exactly as God says you're to parent? Let's, let's talk about this. You loving your wife exactly like Christ loved the church? Let's talk about this. Are you giving? Are you tithing? Are you giving offerings exactly as God says in His Word? Well, preacher, come on. Uh, I, 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 here's what I think is right. Here's, here's how I think... That's what David is saying. I don't want that. I don't want what I think. I want what God says is right. God, show me where I am thinking differently than you and I've set it up as the right way because it's my way. Let's talk about respect for authority. We expect it of our children And yet we don't respect spiritual authority and we run our boss down in front of our wives and our kids all day long. Well, preacher. No well, preacher. No well, preacher. It's wrong. It's your way. It's what you've decided is okay, but it's not God's way. Bitterness. I tell this story. Maybe I've told it here before. I'll tell it again. Old men are permitted to repeat their stories. When I pastored preacher, my office overlooked the parking lots. My office was on the second floor. And one of the things I loved to do was watch people come to church. Families get out. You know, the man gets out and he's got one Bible and walks in. And she's got four child carriers and 12 Bibles. And she's carrying it in trying to get the kids to the nursery. But I saw one man did it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. He'd park in the front parking lot, which allowed his wife to take, it was the closest to the nursery, and she would take the kids in. But he would walk all the way around 
our back parking lot and come in the back door. And, and it, was a, it was a sizable walk. It didn't matter if it was raining, didn't matter if it was snowing, didn't matter if it was 99 degrees, didn't matter if it was 10 below. He would park there and walk all the way around. Ah, I'm curious. And one time I just said to him, I said, why do you park in the front parking lot and then walk all the way around to the back? I thought, well, maybe he's smoking a cigarette. As he did. And here's what he said to me. Because so-and-so is a greeter at the front door, and I can't stand him. That guy had justified that in his mind. That guy had said, I can come in and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. I can carry my King James Bible. I can drop my tithe in. I can walk with the Lord and have that in my heart. And I say to you, no, you can't. No, you can't. You can tell yourself you can. You can lean back on the scales and say it's okay. But it's not okay. And David said, I'm not going to be a king like that. I'm not going to know in my heart that I'm not where I should be and justify it and go my way. Oh, God! Would you search me? Would you hunt those things out and reveal them to me? Because where I am not thinking like you, I have set up an idol. And it's wicked. And it divides you and God. I think of dads in this room who are trying to train their children and, and, and have good children and they have no respect for authority. They're teaching it, trying to teach it. They don't respect their boss. Times when they don't respect spiritual authority. I think of moms in this room trying to teach their children to be submissive and, and to be obedient, but they have no submitted heart to their husband. But you don't know him. I don't have to know him. You married him. They're trying to lead with a divided heart. I know preachers that have divided hearts. I know bosses that have divided hearts. I know youth pastors that have divided hearts. And we keep checking the boxes. And we keep going through the motions. But we're not leading like God wants us to lead. David said, I'm not willing to do that. So God, I'm asking you, if there's a bitterness in my heart, would you expose it to me? If I'm carrying a grudge, and, and, and Lord, if I'm pumped up with pride, and Lord, if I'm bitter against Saul, and, and Lord, if, 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 uh, if, if I'm greedy to get this and have this position, and, and if, I'm, uh, if, if my affections are set on wrong things, and God, will you deal with me about that? Because I simply want to be right with you. It's the only way I can lead. It's the only way a dad, dad can lead his family. It's the only way a mom can lead her kids. It's the only way a youth leader can lead young people. A preacher can lead a church. There's just got to be unity with God's thinking. And then David says, will you lead me? Will you lead me in the way everlasting? 
Here's a newsflash. God is right. God always has been right. And God always will be right. (laughs) And what David is saying is, God, I simply want to go the right way. Will you lead me to follow you? And God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes for me to become the man that you want me to be, or the woman that you want me to be, or the pastor that you want me to be, or the teacher that you want me to be, the, the, the child the, the, from my parents that you want me to be. God, I'm willing to change any of it. I'm willing to lose the prejudice. I'm willing to lose the pride. I'm willing to lose the rebellious heart. I'm willing to lose the bitterness. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, yeah, it's easy for you preachers to tell us to get rid of bitterness, but you don't know how we were hurt. No, I I probably don't. But I know this, bitterness isn't hurting the person that hurt you. It's just hurting you. And there comes a point when you have to come to an altar like this altar and say, God, I am sick of carrying this. And I'm leaving it here. I sat in an emergency room one time, preacher, with a lady. My wife was sitting next to me, and this lady was talking about something, and we could see that she was getting visibly angry about it. And and it was a true offense. And and when I she's getting red in the face, and I I'm thinking it happened like last week at the church. I need to correct that. And so I said to her, When did this happen? And honest to goodness, her answer was, that was about 40 years ago. And it still made her visibly angry. I don't know if that's you, but I know that stuff can stick. And I'm not denying the truth of the hurt. But I am saying to you that you can't lead carrying that bitterness in your heart. You can't walk with God as close as you want with that bitterness in your heart. There just comes a point, whether it's pride or bitterness or or whether it's anger or affection or prejudice, there comes a time where a serious person of God wants to come and say, I've had enough. Now let me say this, and I'll be done pretty soon. You know the greatest fear, one of the greatest fears of my life? I got saved in 1975. I've been walking with the Lord, studying the Scriptures, ministry for 40, coming up on 49 years. That's a long time. You know, my greatest fear is this, that I come to the place in my life where I say, well, I've done that enough. (laughs) I've grown enough. I've given enough. I've served enough. Let somebody else. Now, I'm not saying to you there aren't things that change. We can't always do what we used to do. But I am saying this. There is not one day in this preacher's life where I can just say, I've lived for the Lord enough. I have nothing else I need to grow in. I want to tell you, I've never been at this place in my life before. I've never been a husband to Nancy when we're both 73 years old. 
I've never had a granddaughter get married. I've never had a granddaughter want to be a missionary to India. I've never had my son, who's a preacher, who goes through the hard things a preacher, wants to talk to his dad. Hey, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying to you that I need God in my life, and I need a heart right with God in my life as much today as I did when I was a young dad and a young preacher. I need God every day. And when you think you've come to the place where you've grown enough, studied enough, given enough, served enough, you're in dangerous territory. And every day in our lives, there needs to be a point and a moment, I say every day for me, where I say, God, I don't want to be an old fool. I don't want to lead somebody down the wrong path. I don't want to go talk to this young preacher and say something that I'm saying out of a bitterness from 40 years. What, what good do I do him if I'm angry about something that somebody did to me 40 years ago and I pass that anger along to him? What good have I done him? God, will you deal with me today so that I am able to be the man that you want me to be today? And God, where my thoughts are divided and my direction is going differently than yours, that is wicked. And this old man with knees that won't bend anymore will at least sit down before God and say, God, will you help me? God, will you forgive me? And God, will you lead me the direction that I'm supposed to go? Because somebody needs me today. And somebody needs you today. And our title may not be king. It just may be dad. But you're leading. It may be it's just mom. But you're leading. You may be to the exalted position where it's papal, but you're leading. You're leading, Mamaw. You're leading, Sunday school teacher. You're leading, sixth grader. The fourth graders are watching. And there is never a point in our lives where we, unlike David, do not look up into the face of God and say, will you search me? I don't want to do this differently than you would do it. God, if you have to try me, will you test me? And will you show me where my ways are different than your ways, even though I've justified them to myself? And God, with your help, I will leave my way and come to your way. I'll parent like you tell me to. I'll serve like you tell me to. I'll work like you tell me to. I'll speak like you tell me to. I'll leave that bitterness like you tell me to. God, just show me and then lead me into the way everlasting, into the right way. And God, with all I have and with all I am, I will follow you. That was David's prayer. David said, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. And God, you've been everywhere I've been and seen all I've seen. And Lord, you know my heart. I can, I can sure develop my own way. Would you search me? And would you try me? And would you lead me? Because I want to go your direction for the sakes of those little ones.
those younger ones, those other ones who are following me. Father, would you help us to see the truth? Oh, God, what an incredible responsibility was being put on David's life. He was becoming king. People were going to live and die at his word. They were going to succeed or fail by his command. They were going to know love or hate. They were going to be hurt or helped. All because of his leadership. And he said, God, I don't want to do this my way. Lord, what you show me in my life, I need to change. I'll change. Please search me. Please try me. Reveal to me any ways that are divided from yours. And will God help me and lead me in your way? Where are you going your way? Is there some bitterness in your heart that needs to be let go? Is there something in God's Word that even as I was preaching, God was just nudging your heart a bit saying, Hey, you're not loving her like Christ loved the church. You're not honoring Him like I've told you to honor Him. Hey, you're not parenting like I said. Hey, you're not giving as you should be giving. Now listen, I'm not up here as the authority. I'm not up here as the boss. I'm just telling you that if God nudged your heart, wow, what a blessing. God is saying, your way is not the right way. If God's spoken to you, our only response should be this. Lord, whatever it is you've spoken to me about, I'll get it right. And you know, the altars, we're kind of becoming churches of dry eyes and empty altars. People don't want to go forward anymore. People are afraid of what somebody else would think. How about being concerned about what God is saying and thinking? And God, I want your hand on my life. Now, Father, look into our hearts. There might be someone here tonight, Lord, that's unsaved. And though I've not preached on it, you're a saving God. You can save them tonight. We'd love to take a Bible and show them how. Lord, if there's a believer here tonight and you've exposed something in their heart that is different than you would have it to be, would you help them? And would you help them to respond to you? Search me, Lord. Try me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you quietly stand to your feet? Piano's playing, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe you need to make your way to this altar and just say, Lord, I heard you. It's not that I'm trying to be obstinate. It's not that I'm trying to be stubborn or wicked. It's just I just kind of developed that way myself. I just kind of thought that was good enough and I've gone far enough. But, Lord, I've heard what you've said tonight. And I want to make sure that I'm going your way. And in my life, what you say governs not what I think. Not what is comfortable to me, but what you say. God, you know everything about my life. You're you're with me everywhere I go. You know if there's something in my life that needs to be changed. And if you've been good enough to sit here tonight and speak to my heart about it, 
And my only response can be, yes, Lord, I will change it. With your help, I will change it. God help us.